You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to be talking about plyometric training for nerds and the reason I say that is because we're going to do plyometric training and it's really not so much about jump, counter jump, um, box jumps, depth jumps, ball slams. That's not that's not what we're talking about. We're really going to get a little bit more into what does it mean? What is the term plyometric training? What does it entail without actually going a lot into the exercises? And then we're going to talk a little bit also about um, the benefits, going into the benefits. But let's get into plyometric training. And ultimately, plyometric training, plyos, are designed to move quickly. It's a form of power training. It's explosive training. It's speed training. Plyometric training, this is definition by Marovic and Mulek, which is, sorry, Mikulik, which is plyometric exercise involves a rapid eccentric action immediately followed by a rapid concentric action. That's a perfect definition. So when uh, they did this in 2010, this is something that they've been talking about for a long time. And there are hundreds of studies that look at plyos and there are numerous outcomes such as running speed, vertical jump, broad jump, agility, endurance, bone mineral density. In fact, in fact, let me grab my CPT textbook. I probably should have grabbed the PES textbooks around here somewhere, but uh, this is the CPT seventh edition textbook from NASM table 13.6 benefits of plyometric training. Uh, and this comes from Oxfeldt et al. and Salamini uh, Exel, which is increased bone mineral density, decreased risk of bone and joint injuries, improved soft tissue, uh, such as ligaments, tendons, cartilage, improves their strength, and decreased risk of injury. Interesting. Um, increased metabolic expenditure for improved weight management or weight loss, increased strength and power for athletes and general populations, improved muscle contraction and nervous system synchronization, and improved performance or gameplay for athletes of all levels. There are numerous systematic reviews and meta-analysis of plyometrics. You look at plyometrics and you can find out plyometric training and how that benefits volleyball players and how it benefits basketball players and soccer player meta-analysis and American football meta-analysis. But what I like when we use the phrase, um, if you've ever heard the stretch shortening cycle, that is, that entails what it means to do plyometrics. That is plyometrics. Now, NASM uses the phrase, the integrated performance paradigm. And if you take the definition that we just talked about, the integrated performance paradigm talks about the reduction and production of force, but it's predicated on one's ability to neuromuscularly stabilize the movement. For instance, if I drop down I, I, into a squat, right? And I'm about to do a squat jump and I drop down quickly into a squat. That is an eccentric load. So it stretches my muscles and now there's a stretch shortening cycle 
if you think um, the muscle spindles, things like that, when the muscle stretches and stretches rapidly, there is a built-in activation. There's a built-in muscular contraction that wants to slow that down. Now, if you decide, consciously decide to partner a concentric jump with a automatic contraction based off of the stretch, then you can jump higher. That's why we take steps sometimes. That's why we drop down and do a jump. We don't drop down, hold for one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, now jump high. It doesn't work as well because then we lose that stretch shortening cycle. That integrated performance paradigm that NASM uses says that stretch shortening cycle is very important. But according to the integrated performance paradigm, that has to be built around something else, which is your ability to stabilize your body when you reduce and produce force. The, your ability to balance and to have um, neuromuscular stability. Why? Because if I drop down into a squat jump and my knees knock, then they have to unknock in order for me to come back up. So that's a wasted movement, sometimes what we refer to as energy leaks. There are numerous other examples where you have issues of instability. I have, I have gone into a depth jump or a box jump down and kind of had a little buckle in my core, which certainly limited my ability to pr produce force during that rep. So I want to be able to stabilize everything. And around my ability to stabilize comes my ability to produce force. The moment I lose my ability to stabilize myself, I lose my ability to produce force. And so I drop down a rapid eccentric force. Then I'm going to produce force, but there is somewhere in between the reduction of force and the production of force called the amateurization phase, which is the time between the eccentric deceleration and the concentric acceleration. So I want to minimize when I'm trying to do something quickly, when I'm trying to be explosive, I want to memorize the amateurization phase. Um, here's an example. I was... Uh, at, at one of my fitness facilities, there's a, there was a bar. We used to have a cage, just like monkey bars that you go across it. And it was, it was fun, but the bars were up nine feet, two inches. And the nine feet, two inches was really hard for my five, eight self to, to get sometimes. And so I remember jumping and trying to grab the bar and I wasn't able to grab it. And my friend at the time said, let me see you do that again. And I did it again and I missed it again. And he just went, hey man, you're not, um, you're spending too much time at the bottom, almost like you're dropping down and thinking for just a fraction of a second, should I jump? The answer is you should jump and stop thinking about it. As soon as you get down, explode right back up. And on the very next rep after he told me that, I grabbed the bar, both hands onto the bar. And so I was like, oh man, I needed to hear that. That was a great example for me to be able to put together the importance of that amateurization phase. Though I knew about it, I also didn't know that I was stalling, that I was thinking about it. I was wondering if I was going to be able to jump high enough. But 
that cue was very helpful. Letting somebody else, that's why it's good to have a trainer, right? Having somebody else see things that are going on with you and are able to get more out of you and your performance. You might know something, but do you see that in yourself? So having a partner that can identify that and show that with you is very important. Well, here's a, some breakdown of the word plyometric. And I think that gives us a better understanding of the stretch shortening cycle because the word plyo, we spell P-L-Y-O, but in Greek, it's P-L-I-O, plio, which comes from the Greek word meaning more. And metric is a word that you're all familiar with. It is a unit of length. It means length. So plyometric means more length. We need more length. What do we need? We need to increase length. We need to stretch. It is that stretch. So if I drop down into a squat, like a squat jump, and even if it's not a squat jump, just dropping down to jump higher, and it's kind of a squat position, usually more shallow, it's not very deep. Uh, I don't want to stretch particularly far necessarily in a squat jump because then I lose my ability to produce greater force. So as I go into that, every single muscle that produces force for me to jump is being stretched. When I drop into a squat, my calves are being stretched. My quads are being stretched. My glutes are being stretched. Now, do I have the stability at my lumbopelvic hip complex to support that in order to decelerate that force maintain stabilization, and then concentrically produce force. I like the idea. We talk about force. We talk about power. So let's get into a little bit of time here where we're going to talk about physics for a moment. Now we're getting super nerdy into this, but a lot of times, though physics formulas and definitions and jargon don't always apply to us and what we do in the fitness industry, I think that we can make this make sense for us so let's talk for a moment. First of all, there's Newton's second law. And Newton's second law says force is equal to mass times acceleration. Well, that's not actually what we're doing. So you could actually say that there might be lifting weights. There is force because there is a mass that is moving. Uh, and is there a, a tempo in which that's moving? But this is not quite the definition. So I think I like the idea of power and power training. So let's define power according to physics. Power equals work per change in time. So work divided by time. Cool. Uh, what is What is work in physics? I love this because work is force times distance. So uh, this can apply to a lot of things, but in, in the gym, you can apply a lot of force, but if it doesn't move anywhere, you didn't do any work. <laughs> so you have to move stuff, move stuff in order for work. So work is force times distance. Now, that's a, I like to use this too in, in physics, and I'll use this with people. Work is force times distance, which means uh, sometimes people doing work just casually, though like going to work, will be busy but not accomplish anything. That's like producing force against a wall, right? That's They didn't go any distance, so you didn't really do anything. You have to accomplish something. 
Well, power then equals, if work is force times distance, then power is mass times acceleration times distance divided by time. Mass, what you're lifting, acceleration, which is the change of speed, and distance, how far you're moving it. And then take all of that, divide it by time, which means how fast you're doing it, and that's what power is. And we use power training for a lot of things, which really, if I take all of it and divide by time, if I change my mass, I didn't change my distance because a bench press is a bench press, a squat is a squat, um, then if I divide it by time, what I can do is I can lighten the mass and then I divide it by time because I'm doing it faster. So a lot of times we think, oh, powerlifting, like Olympic lifting, which, it, which is great. And it's got a lot of carryover to a lot of different things. But when we talk about power, we're usually talking about that divided by time. How fast did I accomplish something? Because I want to be able to add a little bit of weight, not a lot, in order to get more speed, to get a higher, broad, uh, higher vertical jump, a longer broad jump, to work on my agility skills. And so if I can do that faster per unit time, then I can produce more power. That's why you might see, oh, NASM, why do you always say when you do power training, you're doing 10% to 30% of your max lift? Because we're trying to do it fast. That's what power is. How fast can you accomplish something? I'm not trying to, to have a heavy lift. In fact, if you look at the medicine balls, Medicine balls are relatively light. They're relatively light. Why? Because I want to throw them fast. I want them to go fast. You take a medicine ball and you can't throw it very far, then that was not very powerful. It's a big mass, but it didn't go very far. It didn't go times distance. Mass times acceleration times distance per unit of time. It didn't accelerate very well. And it certainly... Maybe, maybe it was per unit of time pretty fast, but it didn't, didn't go anywhere. So you could go, you can move this a lot faster. Pick up the speed, be explosive. There's some great benefits of it uh, of plyometric training, but one of the interesting ones that uh, that I came across was that plyometric training seems to be very beneficial for hypertrophy also. And we don't think about plyos being great for muscular development. Uh, and yet sometimes we look at the track athletes and you see the sprinters and something about that lets you know that that might be good for developing muscles. Well, let's look at this. And a 2021 study by Gergic, Schoenfeld, and Mikulik, um, it's the effects of plyometric training versus re uh, resistance training on skeletal muscle and hypertrophy. So this is a review, and it says it seems that plyometric training has a greater potential for inducing uh, increases in muscle size than previously thought. It also goes on to say combining plyometric and resistant exercise does not seem to produce additive effects on anabolic signaling or muscle growth. However, the area requires future studies. And they conclude in this study, this review highlights that plyometric and resistance training interventions may produce similar effects on a whole muscle hypertrophy, at least for the muscle groups of the lower extremity. 
in untrained and recreational trained individuals over a short term, uh, which is less than or equal to 12 weeks, which are the intervention periods that we seem to have seen. So it does seem to be very beneficial in a hypertrophy, particularly in the untrained individuals. Well, there's also a type of plyometric training that we talk about at NASM, and that goes into that final phase of the NASM OPT model, which is the where you've got this power and you are then producing. So we just call it power phase, but it's kind of a power endurance phase, or technically speaking, it is a post-activation potentiation phase. Post-activation potentiation, PAP, PAP. And so this PAP training, if you look at the study by, uh, by Siltz and Hoft et al. 2016, it really goes on to say that performing conditioning exercises elicits a small PAP effect for jumping and throwing upper body ballistic performance activities and a moderate effect for sprint activities. The level of potentiation is dependent on the individual's level of strength and resistance training experience. And it also includes what type of conditioning exercise was, was performed. But that's something that we're familiar with within the NASM OPT model. This idea that you're going to superset a relatively heavy set. So we usually say that's one to five reps, superset that with eight to 10 plyometrics. But Rick, I don't know why it's super light and I could do this like 30 times. Why am I stopping at just 10 reps? Why am I stopping at eight reps? Look, if you're looking for just like a metabolic expulsion of energy, then pick up that light ball and slam it over and over again till your heart's content and until you can feel your pulse from your teeth, it's beating so hard. Great, there's 20 minutes of ball slams with a light ball and you are exhausted. But what's the goal? What's the goal? If your goal is to exhaust yourself, then do stuff until you're exhausted. But if your goal is to become more powerful, then what we see is that as you're using this lightweight, whether it's throws, whether it's jumps, people start to lose their ability to produce as much force as time goes on. So we don't want you to practice the loss of force. We don't want you to practice moving slowly. We want you to practice moving explosively as fast as possible and then take a break and then practice being explosive again. Why? To get better at being explosive. We want that power, that power, that uh, work, right? That force times distance uh, times acceleration divided by time, that division by time. How fast can you do it? That's gonna be the big winner when it comes to our plyometric training that helps with all of these other things. Hey y'all, thanks for listening. Uh, I know this wasn't about what do we do, what types of plyometric exercises, but it's a nice little heady moment to get kind of nerded out on some of the definitions of it, of plyometric training, the etymology of plyometric training, and then why we do it the way that we do it. Uh, I appreciate you being here. Listen, like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. And if you want to reach out to me, you can do so. Hit me up on Instagram at dr.rickritchie or email me, rick.ritchie at nasm.org. 
Thanks for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.